Welcome everyone to the Grinded Podcast. Nipsey Hussle is going to bring us in just a little bit with Grinding All My Life. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Want a slice, got the roll of dice, that's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life. Uh. It's time to hit this rail we call life and grind it. Welcome back to the Grind It Podcast, and I just want to say thank you for being a listener in 2020. Today is New Year's Eve as I'm recording this, and I just want to pray that God's uh, blessings would be upon you in 2021. I know a lot of people have uh, had the COVID or is fearing they're going to get the COVID, uh, and just have, this past year has been a, a really a nightmare for a lot of people. And people have lost family members due to this COVID crap. And I just pray that uh, that God's blessings would be upon you, that a hedge of protection would surround you. And I pray that you would be encouraged in 2021 to serve Christ and to draw closer to Christ. And that you would be a light of Christ to your friends and your family, your co-workers, anywhere that you are, that you would keep your ears open and listen so that people will tell you their needs and that you could help meet their needs in every way, any way possible and that Christ would be glorified, but especially Christ be glorified in your life in 2021. Uh, the Grind It podcast has been very successful. I'm actually only 50 downloads away today, and I just started this podcast in August, and, and I have 43 episodes, and I'm 50 away from 1,000 downloads, and that doesn't include what's on YouTube and, and, and people who just listened and, and didn't download. So thank you for making it a, uh, the Grinded Podcast a success. And like I said, as soon as COVID calms down, I, I hope to get back to the interviews once again. Uh, people seem to enjoy those and get a lot of encouragement from those. But today we're going to be looking at John 19, and, and, and in, in particular, the crucifixion of Jesus. In, in John 18, Jesus has been brought to Pilate by the religious leaders. People who were supposed to be pointing to Christ has actually wanted to kill Christ. And they've been plotting how they could kill him for a, quite a while. And, and now they've found a way because they, they've gotten to the inner circle and they were able to uh, bribe, if you will, Judas to sell Jesus to them for the 30 pieces of silver. And Jesus has been brought by Judas's little militia, if you will, uh, to, to uh, these religious leaders and they brought him to Pilate. And they want Jesus crucified. They want Jesus dead and gone. They're just tired of dealing with this guy. And Pilate is trying to find every excuse he can not to condemn Jesus and not to crucify Jesus because he he can't find anything wrong that Jesus has done and especially anything that deserves death. And so in John 19, John starts off with uh, Pilate having Jesus flogged. And, and what flogging is, it, it, it's basically just beating the crap out of somebody with a, a, a whip or, or rods or, or lashes. And at the end of these whips, they, they would have anything from bone, glass, uh, some kind of metal, anything that would just bruise the body or, or dig into the skin. 
the the New Living Translation says that the flogging, the whip that they used to flog Jesus with, had lead in the end of the whip. So every time that they hit Jesus with with that whip to flog him, then those lead balls would be hitting his back as well. It was intended to correct wrongdoing, and it wasn't supposed to be severe enough that a person died. I, I don't know if anybody's ever died from flogging or not. I, I, I would assume that they have. But the Jews were very careful not to uh, exceed the limit. They did not want people to die from flogging. It was used to correct. It was, it was used to, once you got flogged, you did not want to get flogged again. So you did not do that crime anymore. Uh, and it was, it was a deterrent, if you will. And actually, God himself came up with this idea of flogging in Deuteronomy 25, 1 through 3. He says, suppose two people take a dispute to court and the judges declare that one is right and the other is wrong. If the person in the wrong is sentenced to, flog, to be flogged, the judge must command him to lie down and be beaten in his presence with the number of lashes appropriate to the crime, but never give more than 40 lashes. More than 40 lashes would publicly humiliate your neighbor. So the maximum that, that a person could be flogged in, in Jesus' day would be 40 times. But the Jews were so careful as to not to go over 40 because God set the limit, right? He sets the standard. And he says you can't go over 40. So the Jews were so careful as to not to go over 40 because that would be a sin, see? And so they, they uh, backed it up to 39. Um, th there was... Uh, Several times in the New Testament that, that people uh, were flogged. Uh, in 2 Corinthians, Paul talks ab uh, about all the things that he has gone through for the, the sake of the gospel. And he says, in, in, uh, uh, five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Five different times Paul was flogged for the gospel's sake. The apostles themselves were flogged for preaching and working miracles at the temple in Acts chapter 5 verse 40 and so Pilate was thinking that he would just have Jesus flogged and this would be sufficient enough for the religious leaders and for these people who are yelling to crucify Jesus um, because you know they have been looking for Jesus for hundreds of years they have been looking for the Messiah ever since the prophets have been prophesying over 300 prophecies about the coming Messiah which was Jesus and here he is standing before them, and, 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 and Pilate's thinking, well, I'll just flog him. And if I flog him, they'll feel sorry for him because he's been beaten half to a pulp, and, and they'll let him go. But it didn't work that way. They, they wanted him dead. And, and they were going to make sure that, that, that Pilate crucified Jesus. And so the soldiers that did the flogging, uh, to Jesus, they, they decided that they were going to mock Jesus, and, and they, they made a, a crown of thorns, and they shoved it on his head, and, and tradition says that this crown was made using a bush called the Zisiphus Spina Christi, and I'm sure I butchered that up really bad, but it's also called, in, in, in our terms, Christ Thorn Jujube, and that's found in Israel. This tree, is it's very thorny, and, and, and its leaves grow a pair of stipules at its base, and they turn into hard thorns, and one straight and the other's crooked, and they're about two centimeters 
uh, in length. Um, this tree is uh, found all over Israel, and there's one there uh, in Israel that is estimated to be, to be 1,500 to 2,000 years old, and the locals believe it to be the very tree that the Roman soldiers used to make uh, this crown that they forced on Jesus' head. But these thorns were no little bitty like a rosebush thorn. They're, 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 they're kind of long, and, and no doubt these soldiers... In mocking Jesus, they as being the king of the Jews, they would take this crown of thorns that they have made, and, and I'm sure they didn't gently place it on his head like you know, like I would my hat. They shoved this thing and, and made it dig into his into his head and in, into his skull and and anything to in, in, inflict pain. And John says that the the soldiers also took a purple robe and they put it on Jesus saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they slapped him in the face. And John stops with his details here because uh, he doesn't go into a whole lot of details through his gospel. He's just hitting these highlights. But uh, the other gospels gives us more insight to what Jesus endured. In Matthew 27, 27-31, Matthew says that some of the governor's soldiers took Jesus into their headquarters and called out the entire regiment. And they stripped him and they put a scarlet robe on him. And they wove thorn branches into a crown and they put it on his head. And they placed a reed stick in his right hand as a scepter, like a king. And then they knelt before him in mockery and they taunted, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him and they grabbed the stick and they struck him on the head with it. See, Matthew goes into a lot more detail. And when they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the robe and they put his own clothes uh, back on him and they led him away to be crucified. Mark says in Mark 15, 16 through 20, he says the soldiers took Jesus into the courtyard of the governor's headquarters called the Praetorium and called out the entire regiment. And they dressed him in a purple robe and they wove the thorn branches into a crown and they put it on his head. And then they saluted him saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him on the head with a reed stick, and they spit on him, and they dropped to their knees in mock worship. So it's a lot of what Matthew says. And when they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the purple robe, and they put his own clothes on him again. And then they led him away to be crucified. All of this is actually a prophecy or prophecies from the Old Testament. Like in Isaiah 50, verse 6, it's a prophecy concerning the beating and the flogging of Jesus. When he says, Isaiah says, I offered my back to those who beat me and my cheeks to those who pulled my beard, pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mockery and spitting. So it, none of the Gospels mention Jesus' beard being pulled off his face. But according to this prophecy, his beard would have been grabbed, however long his beard was. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But it was ripped off his face. And if you've ever plucked an eyebrow, you know exactly that hurts. Uh, and so just to have your beard just literally just ripped off your face and the beating that he took from the flogging, these 39 uh, whippings with these metal balls on it and then this crown of thorns being thrust into his head and, and they put this, he's just bleeding profusely I'm sure and he's bruised all up and he's, and he's hurting and they put this purple robe on him and they put this uh, reed in his hand and use it for a scepter and, and they're mocking him, they're bowing before him, hell king of the Jews. And literally, they did not understand that he was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And here he is, God in the flesh, and they're mocking him and, and making a joke of, of, of Jesus and him being the king of kings. 
And they took that reed out of his hand and they busted him over the head with it. Uh, and, and I want you to keep all this in mind because Isaiah 52, 14 says that many were amazed when they saw him. And this is another prophecy about Jesus. Many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know that he was a man. And in my opinion, Jesus was beaten so severely by those soldiers that you couldn't recognize him. And that's what Isaiah says. You wouldn't recognize him when, when you were, were to, he was so disfigured, Isaiah says, that he seemed hardly human. And, and, and in my opinion, I believe that when, this is why when Mary went to the tomb uh, on the resurrection morning, which is the next chapter in John chapter uh, 20, 21, now John chapter 20, this is why she didn't recognize him. She was having a conversation with angels. She turns around and has a conversation with conversation with jesus and she thinks that he's the gardener and he's and she's asking him if if he knows where they have taken jesus's body to tell her because she wants to know she wants to go visit his body um and jesus calls her by name mary and, and she recognizes jesus when he called her by her name and but I believe that Jesus was beaten so badly by these soldiers that that's why Mary didn't recognize Jesus on that resurrection morning. And, and, and to back up my claim, if you think about it, what did, what did Thomas say when Jesus was appearing to the disciples and he kept not being there? He was missing out on it. And he says, look, I'm not going to believe y'all until I see the nail prints in his hands and I'm putting my fingers into his side. And that's where... The, 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 the Roman uh, soldier had pierced Jesus' side. And Jesus appears to Thomas, and he says, Okay, here, here's the nail prints in my hand. And here's, you know, he, he shows uh, Thomas his scar up from, on his side. He says, Go ahead and put your, your hand here, right here on my side. So Jesus had scars. And so if he took a beating like this from these soldiers, the, the Isaiah would say he was unrecognizable. I think that's why Mary, Mary didn't know him. But my, my point is that, that Jesus took a, a severe, severe beating, not just a flogging, but he took a beating. These, these soldiers mocked him and made fun of him and inflicted so much pain on him and enjoyed every minute of it until they got tired of doing so. They got bored with it, and they, they was like, oh, we're done with this. And, and so... They decided to stop, and then they turned him back over to um, Pilate uh, to, for whatever decision Pilate was going to make, to either crucify him, let him go, or whatever. And we'll pick up uh, with that thought as we come back from break. My name is Dinah Grace Hawk, and I started a movement of empowerment. I focus on Revelation 12:11, which states that we will overcome, conquer, and defeat him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And we will not love our own lives, even unto death. See, sharing testimony squashes pride. It empowers. It strengthens. It encourages. And it heals. This whole movement is focused on sharing our testimony, our walk with the Lord, how He's using us in this life to empower others to do the same. By doing this, we will overcome anything that this world can throw at us because we are covered by the blood of the Lamb. Every week from now till the end of the year, I'll be highlighting a different woman in the ministry, and they're going to share their testimony. Tune in every Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern, either on Facebook or Instagram at Dinah Grace Hawk, and you get to be a part of this movement too. I'll see you there. 
So the soldiers get bored with mocking Jesus. They get bored with beating the crap out of him nearly to death. And and so they turn him back over to Pilate. Pilate questions Jesus again. Jesus refuses uh, to answer Pilate's question. And he's like, look, dude, I, I had the power and the authority to let you go or crucify you. And Jesus says, you don't have any power or authority over me. That's given to you from above. And this, this has to be done. So, you know, let's get it on. Let's get it over with. And so Pilate, still not wanting to crucify Jesus and coming up with every excuse he can to not crucify Jesus, even though, which is surprising because Pilate is a pagan worshiper. He, he does not care for the Jews' uh, uh, religion. And he surely wouldn't care anything about this guy who seems to be a nomad who, who wanders around with no place to lay his head. Um, he wasn't really caring anything about Jesus besides his wife, you know, saying, don't, I've had dreams about this man, don't have anything to do with him. But, but Pilate kind of feared Jesus. And I think in the back of his mind, he, he, he knew there was something to this. And so he brings him out to the people and he says, behold the man. And they said, away with this guy. We, we want Jesus out of here. We want him dead and gone. We want him finished. And so they, 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 the, the religious leaders have, have, have uh, persuaded the crowd, and the crowd has, has chosen uh, Barabbas over Jesus. They're setting a, a, a criminal free, and they're going to uh, crucify an innocent man, but it had to be done for the penalty of our sins. And, and so Pilate uh, goes and he sits on his throne, if you will, and he uh, orders Jesus to be crucified and and so in John 19 16 through 37 Jesus is made to carry his cross uh, from the place that he was beaten to the place of the skull or Golgotha and uh, he was too weak to do so and they they the the soldiers from Matthew 27 32 they force a man named Simon uh, Syrian to uh, help Jesus carry the cross to the place that where he would be crucified and uh, when Jesus was on the cross, uh, he's hung there between two thieves. It says, Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. It's outside the city gates. And there was a reason for that. as because Jesus could be, in uh, these, in these uh, criminals that were crucified with him, could be humiliated, publicly humiliated. People could walk by the cross and see these criminals, which Jesus wasn't a criminal, uh, but they thought that he was. Um, but it says the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek so that many people could read it. And then the leading priests objected to what uh, what Pilate has said or written on on that uh, on that plaque, and they said, change it from the king of the Jews to he said, I am king of the Jews. And Pilate replied, no, I've written what I have written. And so again, we see the, the attitude of these religious leaders. They, they cared nothing for Jesus whatsoever. They wanted him dead. They wanted him gone. He, they wanted him out of their hair because he was taking, um, he, he was taking from them their uh, power, uh, their notoriety, if you will. People were no longer looking to the religious leaders uh, they were now coming to Jesus, and they were asking Jesus uh, for things. And so that he was getting all of their attention, if you will. And they didn't like it, so they wanted him gone. 
they were evidently very prideful people, and Jesus really runs them in the ground in Matthew 23, and you can read that on, on your own. And Jesus is hanging there on the cross, and he looks down and he sees John, the author of this gospel, and he's uh, standing there with three ladies, and they're all three names are Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus, her sister named Mary, and then Mary uh, Magdalene, the one who Jesus had cast out demons of. And, and as Jesus was hanging on that cross and all the pain and agony that he's going through and trying to, to breathe, he looks at John and he says, Behold your mother. And, and he looks at Mary, his mom, says, Behold your son, meaning take care of my mom, dude. And, and the Bible says that, that Mary lived with John uh, from, from that day forward. John mentions that the soldiers gamble for Jesus' garments, which was a fulfillment of prophecy found in Psalm 22:18, when it says, the psalmist says, They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. Um, Jesus said on the, from the cross, He said, I'm thirsty. Which, yet again, fulfills another prophecy found in Psalm 22.15. It says, My strength is dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You have laid me in the dust and left me for dead. So they take some sour wine and they, they take a sponge and they dip it into that sour wine and let it soak up into that sponge and they touch it to Jesus' lips. And when uh, uh, they go to touch it to Jesus' lips, he tastes it. And this again fulfills another prophecy which is found in Psalm 69, 21. It says, But instead they gave me poison for food. They offer me sour wine for my thirst. And then after Jesus tasted the sour wine, he cried out, It is finished. And he died. According to the other Gospels, Jesus hung on the cross for around six hours. From nine in the morning to uh, three in the afternoon, if you're going by the Jewish calendar and the Jewish time timeline it was almost time for the passover and for the sabbath to begin so they, they had to hurry up and, and and make sure these men were dead they had made the the two criminals and jesus and so they would go what they would do is they would go and break their knees so that they could not use their knees or their feet to push up with to get breath and so they break the knees of the two criminals on the right and the left hand of jesus and when they come to jesus he's already dead and so instead of breaking any bones, they take a spear and they pierce him in the side. And I'll come back to that in a second. But with them not breaking any bones of Jesus, that fulfilled another prophecy. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10 it says, Then I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the family of David and the people of Jerusalem. They will look on whom they have pierced and mourn for him. As for an only son, they will grieve bitterly for him as for a firstborn son who has died. And that is a prophecy about them piercing Jesus' side with a spear. But there's also a passage in Psalm, and I, I, evidently I didn't put it in my notes, but there's also a passage in Psalm that says no bones would be broken. So there's, there's all kinds of prophecies. Like I said earlier, there's over 300 prophecies about the Messiah, and Jesus, Jesus fulfilled every single one of them. And there's numerous prophecies just right here during this time of Jesus' trial and his crucifixion and his, his death, burial, and resurrection. So in, in Luke 2.35, there's a priest named Simeon who was looking at the baby Jesus, and he even prophesied even then 
and he tells Mary, with, with Joseph standing by her side, he says, A sword will pierce your very soul. And so here is Mary looking up at her son who has been suffering on the cross and has been suffering from the beating that he's took. He's weak and he's, he's about to take his last breath. And he has taken his last breath. And the soldier comes along. And as, as, as any mother could relate, watching a child suffer and die like Jesus has, and she watches this soldier pierce his side, the, uh, the prophecy of Simeon comes true, that a sword will pierce your very soul. And so John mentions something that happened when the soldier pierced Jesus' side. And he, taught, he says in verse 34, Immediately blood and water flowed out of Jesus. Now, I won't go into a whole lot of detail with this, but there was, there was some reasons why John wrote this. Number one, it was to show that Jesus was human. Even though he was, he was 100% God because he was God in the flesh, he was 100% human. Our human bodies are made of up around 60% of water, and 7% of our body weight is blood. So John says when that, that soldier spirit pierced Jesus' side, out came blood and water, showing that Jesus was human. And the second thing was, the reason why John would put this in his gospel was to dispute Gnosticism. And you can study uh, Google Gnosticism on your own. But they were basically all about knowledge and wisdom. And they denied that Jesus was God in the flesh. So and that's why John says, hey, this is why when this sword pierced his side, out came blood and water. He was absolutely human. John makes it a point to let his readers know that what he is saying is true. He says in verse 35, he says, This report is from an eyewitness giving an accurate account. He speaks the truth so that you also may continue to believe. In other words, John saying, Hey, I was at the cross. I was there firsthand. I saw it with my own eyes. This is exactly what happened. I'm telling you the truth and you can believe it. And so we get to the burial of Jesus in verses 38 through 42. And John mentions two prominent people that buried Jesus. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. Both were very powerful, rich Pharisees. They came to Jesus in secret when Jesus was alive. Nicodemus was the one from John chapter 3 uh, that Jesus said, you must be born again. And he was all confused saying, how can I enter into my mother's womb a second time and be born again? I'm an old man. Uh, he came to Jesus by night. Uh, and evidently, Joseph of Arimathea came to Jesus in secret as well because they did not want to lose their power or their position with the Pharisees. They did, did not want to lose their authority, if you will. And Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea had a tomb that was nearby. And the other Gospels actually mention that Joseph of Arimathea owns the tomb that Jesus was placed in. And they had to hurry up and get Jesus off the cross and to the tomb and buried because if he if Jesus took his last breath at 3 o'clock, then they had to have him buried and sealed up and home by 6 o'clock because that's what time uh, the Sabbath day began and you could do no work on the Sabbath. So they had basically had three hours to get all this done. And uh, 
Nicodemus was there because he had brought 75 pounds of perfumed ointment to prepare Jesus' body for burial. Uh, in verses 40 through 42, it says, Following Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in long sheets of linen cloth. They placed the, cruci- the place of the crucifixion was near a garden where the tomb were, there was a new tomb never used before, which belonged to Joseph, according to the other Gospels. And so, because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. And from Matthew 27, 60, we know that this tomb belonged to Joseph of Arimathea. Jesus has now been crucified, but this is not the end. For in the very next chapter, when John starts chapter 20, he starts off with the resurrection. It's, it's not the end just because Jesus has been placed on the cross and he has taken his last breath and he's been put into this tomb. The disciples even thought that this was the end. They thought all hope was lost. They thought it was over. They thought that Jesus was the one. They, were, they just knew that he was the Messiah because all this great stuff that he had done for people and they just could not believe that Jesus was dead. As a matter of fact, Peter says, I'm going back to fishing. And, and, and the other disciples, even the ones who are not fishermen, decided that they were going to go fishing with Jesus as well. And, and when we find them, I believe maybe in the next chapter, but when we, we find them locked in a room because they're scared to death, they, they're full of fear because they think it's the end. They have lost all hope. And it's just like people today. People need hope. And hope has a name. His name is Jesus. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross that we have covered today in John chapter 19, because He shed His innocent blood to be the penalty for our sin. He has paid our price to redeem us. He has reconciled us back to God. In other words, He has made us friends again with God because of the blood that He shed. Not by anything. There is nothing. It doesn't matter if we baptized a million gazillion people. If we could baptize every person on this earth and take them to heaven with us, that would not earn us a spot in heaven. There is We, 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 we could play every instrument on any worship team and we could preach every message you could ever come up with from now to whenever. It would, there is no way that we can earn our way to heaven. Jesus paid the price right here in John chapter 19. He was the Passover lamb, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. He was the perfect lamb, and he paid our price right here. He shed innocent blood for you and for me so that our sins can be forgiven, so that we can have a home with him for eternity. In heaven, hope has a name. His name is Jesus. Friends, I pray that you do not go into 2021 without hope. I pray, if you do not know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that you will make Him the Lord of your life. Start this new year off right and walk with God. Walk with Christ. Let Him be your God by the power of His Holy Spirit. You, you may not have your life fully together. You don't have to have your life together. Jesus takes us just as we are. And over time, He changes us from the inside out. We just have to take that first step and give our life to Him. Are you willing 
to take that step today. I pray that you are. And if you have, you are, you've already made that step and you're a Christian and you've been walking with Christ for a long time, praise God. And God bless you and thank you for making that decision. And thank you for walking with Christ. Now go share him in 2021 with your friends and your family, your coworkers, anyone that you come in contact with. Share Christ. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Grind It podcast today. You can send any questions or comments to grinditpodcast at gmail.com. Please join us next time. And when a challenge comes your way, just my, grind it. Been grinding all my life. Sacrifice. Hustle paid the price. Want a slice. Got to roll the dice. That's why all my life. I've been grinding all my life. Look, all my life. Been grinding all my life.